let's get down here to verse 25. Forty days later, they returned from touring the land and went to Moshe, Aaron, and the entire community of the people of Israel at Kadesh in the Paran Desert, where they brought back word to them and to the entire community and showed them the fruit of the land. What they told them, what, what they told him was this. We entered the land where you sent us, and indeed it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. However, the people living in the land are fierce, and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the Anakim there. Amalek lives in the area of the Negev. The Hittite, the Jebusite, and the Amorites live in the hills, and the Canaanites live by the sea and along the side of the Jordan. Caleb, though, silenced the people around Moshe and says, We ought to go up immediately and take possession of it. There is no question that we can conquer it. But the men who had gone with him said, We can't attack those people because they are stronger than we are. And they spread a negative report about the land they had toured for the people of Israel by saying, The land we pass through in order to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. All the people we saw there were giants. We saw the Nephilim, the descendants of Anak, who was from the Nephilim, to ourselves. We looked like grasshoppers by comparison, and we looked that way to them too. At this, all the people of Israel cried out in dismay and wept all night long. Moreover, all the people of Israel began grumbling against Moshe and Aaron. The whole community told them, We wish we had died in the land of Egypt, or that we had died here in the desert. Why is Adonai bringing us to this land where we will all die by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will be taken captive. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? And they said to each other, let's appoint a leader and return to Egypt. There's another Jewish legend that says that when the spies went in to tour the land, they saw funerals going on everywhere. So, and they looked at the negative side of this, when in reality, it was Hashem that caused all these deaths and all these funerals to distract them so that the spies could tour the land without being protected. Whether that's, you know, that's what the sage is saying and kind of take that as a grain of salt. But So ten spies give a negative review and two give a good review. We kind of see this in the Bible a lot, ten and two, with the ten northern tribes of Israel and the two southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin. Um, and also, I think it's kind of worth pointing out that Caleb and Joshua both belong to Judah and Ephraim, Ephraim being one of the sons of Joseph. And in Jewish theology, there's the idea of two messiahs. There's Messiah ben Yosef and Messiah ben David. There's the suffering servant and then the conquering king. So maybe it's not a coincidence that the two tribes that wanted to go in and take the land was... Ephraim and Judah. I think it's also interesting that Yeshua's father's name, earthly father's name, Yosef as well. But and so ten spies give a negative review. I don't know about you, but there's been many times where I've read the stories in the Tanakh and I just get so frustrated with the Israelites. You know, it's and how stubborn and bullheaded they were. But take what we're going through in our lives right now and compare it to this. You have faith for Israel in this story because you've read the story and you know how it ends. But oftentimes we don't have the faith for what we're going through right now, even though it probably pales in comparison to this. Forty years later, the Israelites will storm the land and huge fortified walls of Jericho will collapse. 
Imagine if the Israelites had just had the faith 40 years prior. Human reasoning is the biggest hindrance to obedience. God gives us commands, right? Don't do this. Don't do that. Our human brains are often like, well, that just doesn't make any sense to me. That's not going to work. We can use our free will and think our way is better, or we can trust that his ways are higher than ours. So the ten spies get a bad report. They get the people of Israel all stirred up. They're crying. They're weeping. They're grumbling against Moses and Aaron again. They're ready to appoint a new leader, a new leader and, report and return to Egypt. So Moses, Aaron, Joshua, and Caleb, they tear their clothes and they fall on their faces before the congregation of Israel. Ladies, you'll like this one. The sages say that the women were actually ready to go up and take the land. Yeah. And that the women did not die in the wilderness unless it was due to old age or natural causes. It was the men, 20 years and up, that passed away. Yeah. The sages went on to say, I should just stop. The sages went on to say that if the spies were women, there would have been no 40 year delay before entering the promised land. We'll censor that out too. Yeah, I was kidding. Yeah. So I think sometimes women have a measure of faith that we men lack sometimes. See what you've done, Jim? Yeah. So here we see that the majority of the community here is wrong. Just like today, a lot of us are wrong about things. We don't have all the answers. How many of us, you know, this time last year had a doctrine that we held on to for years and we've let it go because we tested it against the scriptures and found that it's just not true. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. That's, that's growth. That's a good thing. There's nothing to be ashamed of there. So you don't determine what is true by taking a vote, as we found out in this election. So anyway, anyway, so in Scripture, it's the minority that is oftentimes correct. I, like hopefully all of you, have come to the realization that the Torah of Adonai is relevant to the believer today. Does that put us in the majority? No. Yeshua was also in the minority. So be in the minority, seek the truth, and do it with humility. Don't be afraid to be in the minority or to go against the crowd. The multitude here thought the land was too difficult. They saw the enemy, the fortified walls, and they saw that they actually had to do something and decided that it was too hard and they wanted to go back. When a minority was ready to take the land, the majority wanted to stone them. The majority thought the land was too difficult, even though previously they stated that they, they loved its fruit. The land here is a picture of Torah. The land is where God rules his kingdom. The borders of the land of Israel represent the border of God's word. The kingdom is a place where the king's will is done and God is bringing his people to his land where his will is done. Most believers, a lot of believers today, refuse to obey commands in the Torah that to them do not make any sense. But they are always wanting to enjoy the fruits of the Torah, the blessings that the Torah promises for the obedience. 
They enjoy the illustrations, the people of great faith, the stories, but don't ask me to do it. They want to enjoy its fruit, but they do not want to enter into it because it's, they've been told it's too hard. It's a lot harder to live without the Torah than it is to live with it. Not entering the land here was its own punishment. The punishment for not obeying the Torah is not getting to obey the Torah. A life lived according to the Word of God, according to the Torah, is a blessed life. It's the best life that there is. It's full of blessings. God didn't rescue you from spiritual Egypt to leave you in the desert. He didn't save you from something, but for something. People want the promises, the blessings, the fruit. But when it comes to changing the way they live and coming into obedience, they say it's too difficult, it's too hard. And just like the Israelites, their carcasses will fall in the wilderness. So some may teach that the Torah is too hard or it's too rigid. It's cursed. But you know what? Their children are ready to enter in. I remember when I was 25, I had, roughly 25, I had been back in church for about two years after living a very worldly lifestyle for many, many years. And I I remember praying and being like, God, there's got to be more to this. There's got to be more to this life than this. There's got to be more than just church on Sunday morning, paying my tithes, and maybe going to church on Wednesday. So I prayed. I prayed. I asked God, I want more. I want the truth of who you are. But I didn't know at that time that that prayer would bring me to where I'm at right now. I had no idea. I've never heard of the Torah. Never heard of it. I've, I've heard that the law is, is, is bad, but I couldn't have told you what the law was. I know sometimes the older generation likes to shake their fists at the millennials and Gen Z, and I get it. I do it all the time. They they (laughs) frustrate me as well. But as as much as I hate to admit it, I'm a millennial, and I'm standing here teaching a Torah portion. And I'm not saying that for applause or affirmation or to puff myself up. I mean, Patrick's going to be teaching next week. He's the handsome guy that Bobby was talking about. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, said, I said all this to say this. The younger generation is ready to enter in. They really are. They want something real. They want more of God. And I'm glad we don't have a kid's church here. I'm glad that the kids sit in here and they listen to the Word of God every week. It's good that they sit in here every week. And they're smarter than we give them credit for. They really are. They retain a lot of information. Things that they can recall days later when they look like they're not paying attention and then they hit you with it a couple of days later and it's like, oh, you were listening. You know. But I think we do young people a great disservice by putting them in a room with popcorn and soda and letting them watch reruns of VeggieTales like I did when I was growing up in church. Then we sit back and we wonder why when they turn 18 they want nothing to do with God whatsoever. They want nothing to do with church because now the popcorn and the candy is gone and now they have to sit in big church and they're not interested. But the adversary is going after our kids at a very young age and indoctrinating them on transgenderism and sexuality you know, and nonsense like critical race theory. 
if they don't get the unfiltered truth from us, they'll get a counterfeit truth from the world. The next generation is ready to take the land, but we need to believe, teach, and obey God's word, even if it puts us in the minority. So it really makes me happy to see some of the the kids up here dancing and to see you know Andreas on the piano sometimes and the kids that like to come up and lead worship every once in a while that's a good thing that's something we should encourage Amen. you know so because they're they're hungry and they're ready to take the land um, do we have kiddish ready to go out or I should have said something earlier than that they're getting but, there yeah <laughs> Yeah. Does anybody have any comments or yeah, Michael? Uh, a comment. Like you say, you know, the younger generation wants to take the land. Yes, but I'm impatient about it. Yeah. It's tough. It it's not this gravy boat that people tell you it is. You actually have to do something. I mean, God could have easily went He could have easily went ahead of the Israelites and wiped out everybody in Canaan. And the Israelites wouldn't have had to do anything but walk in and take it. But he didn't do that, did he? They actually had to do something. And oftentimes, we don't like to hear that, especially in America where we have just about everything at our fingertips. We don't have to work much for anything. You know? So that's good. Thank you for that comment, Michael. Anybody else? Suzanne? You know, if we encourage the younger generation... The Lord carries, they are the next generation. Right. They are the ones that are going to continue this message. Right. And so that's why we need to be diligently teaching And I think it's a it's a, a very strong warning to us that's over twenty. What happens if you don't encourage that that's next right. generation? Right. And if you don't push that it is we are capable of taking the land. You know, the Bible says very clearly there was this righteous generation and then the next generation came up and every man did what was right in his own eyes. Right. Not using the Torah as his witness. Mm-hmm. So that's what can happen. And that's what we have to do. Mm-hmm. Jim. There's a philosopher that said this. He said, look, one generation tolerates, the next generation embraces. Right. And what the generation following does is they legislate. Right. And that should be something we should really consider. That um, that we should not tolerate what the Lord doesn't tolerate and we should teach those things. Right. And, uh, and help them understand the truth. Regardless of the reaction, they're still responsible to You're right. the truth and love. You're right, yeah. Um, I can't remember where I saw this. I saw an article not long ago that uh, young people are fleeing the Christian church in record yes. numbers. Yeah. And, you know, um, and that's unfortunate, but also it's, it's a side effect of almost like insulting their intelligence by giving them a watered-down gospel, yeah. a watered-down message, you know. And if they're, like I said, I mean, if they're not going to get the truth from us, they're going to get it from the Internet. Or they're going to get it from their liberal arts teacher who tells them that they can do whatever they want to do. So, Stacy.
ground messages, um, really scientific and brilliant, but then he would say things along the line of, if the, if the kids don't get it, if your, the next generation isn't getting this, what does any of this matter? Yeah, right. Because a lot of times when, um, when families will come into you know, what you would call this walk, the parents are so excited, and they're reading, and they're watching, and but if they're just putting it all in their head, and they're not um, bringing their kids along with them, a lot of times, kids will just spin off because, mm -hmm. you know, it's, you know, that's kind of like their parents' thing, and they're, they just, what they experience is being different from their friends right. mm -hmm. on the weekend and on holidays, and so if, if our priority, you know, of course our priority is chasing after God, but leading and teaching our kids, you know, like you said, Right. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Brad Scott is, I really do encourage you to go look up his videos on YouTube. Um, he's no longer with us, but um, I believe his ministry is Wild Branch Ministry. I mean, he's really, really good, and he geared, I think, a lot of his ministry to young people. And uh, like Stacy said, he is very scientific. He has a very scientific, uh, scientific approach to things, and he's, and it's you know we would think that kids wouldn't be interested in this. They'd be they'd be too bored, you know, so here's some pizza and cookies, y'all go play over there, you know, but, I mean, he really does win a lot of people over with his arguments, and he proves that, that this, this is real, this is true, he proves that the creator is, is real, so y'all should really check that out, thank you, Stacy, for saying that, um, Jackie. So you said that the Hebrew word there for um, like bring up is actually medicate. Dedicate. Dedicate. <laughs> I was just making sure before we stoned you. I was just. Yeah. 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 I was kidding. Yeah. Just had to make make sure you didn't say medicate. Not to beat you. All right. Anybody else have any? Yeah. For you guys that are new to us too, we're we're a family group here. We're a community, and the nice thing about community, if you have something to add, we're willing and ready to listen to it. Yes. You know, it's, we don't want you to ever think that this is a, just the teacher standing up here that's talking and that you don't ever have any input. I know when I was growing up, which was a long time ago since I was a kid, <laughs> but I always wanted to ask questions or it, the, the preacher would say something and I think, 
that's kind of weird. And you want to raise up your hand and, and ask any time you have a question. You know who my, one of my favorite people is? It's Michael. Because Michael always asks questions. And he always has good input. Me and you, buddy, okay? But anytime, we're a family. You know, uh, this is my family sitting right here on the front row, and they let me say anything I want to to them on the second row. 